Do you have trouble falling asleep? Do you have trouble staying asleep? Do you feel like no matter how good you make your sleep hygiene, you just can't sleep? Or during the daytime, do you struggle with feeling like fatigue shows up at exactly the wrong moment? If so, your gut may be impacting your sleep. There are many patterns of sleep or not sleeping that I consistently see in my clients that correlate with specific problems in their gut and their body. All these things I listed above are commonly what my clients say that they are experiencing before they start to work with me. And they think it's just the stress in their life or their sleep hygiene that is not enabling them to sleep well. Well, the good news is, is that it is not their fault. And the even better news is, is there are answers. Most of my clients struggle with their sleep prior to working with me. And usually within one month of working with me, their sleep has vastly improved. And when I personally went through my two years of debilitating GI dysfunction, my sleep was also horrible. I was sleepy all day and awake all night. Sleep is a major clue in understanding how deeply your gut may be impacting your life and your overall health. Are you ready to learn why that is so? If you are, today's episode is the episode where you get to find out all about sleep and your gut. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clinics clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys, we're going to just dive right in and start talking about reasons why the gut can so highly impact our sleep. There are six different points that I have here. And so we're just going to start off with the first one. And the first one is your your gut can dysregulate your circadian rhythm. Now, if you have heard of the circadian rhythm before, you are familiar with it is this rhythm that goes throughout the day and throughout the night. And it we have a variety of points where we're feeling more alert and less alert. And it's part of what makes us feel sleepy and part of what throws us off so much when we cross time zones because we are changing when the sun's coming up and down. But our internal body, our internal clock, as we might, as some people call it, 
all of our biochemistry is still acting as if it's in the different time zone that we came from. Whether that time zone is one hour different or six hours different or 12 hours different, our, our whole biochemistry thinks we're still in Eastern Standard Time, even if we're in Japan. So how does the circadian rhythm have such intelligence and such a rhythm? Well, a majority of that rhythm comes from melatonin being excreted in the body. Melatonin is a hormone and it is created and often created uh, what we think of in the brain. Uh, the melatonin that's created in the brain is why we have all these different rules on um having the lights turned off at night or not taking in blue light or not being on your phone or not watching TV, playing video games, all these different things that excrete light at nighttime is because of the pineal gland in the brain, which excretes melatonin. And so not having good sleep hygiene as far as having lots of lights on at night or um, just even looking at your phone screen, um, having blue light going on, all those things can keep the pineal gland from excreting melatonin. But here's the thing that Honestly, before I got into all this gut health stuff, I had never heard before, and my mind was just blown that I could have sleep problems, like major sleep problems, and my clients also often have sleep problems as well without anyone bringing up the gut, and here's why. Here's the secret. 80% of your melatonin is made in your gut. Yes, the gut. Only 20% of your melatonin is responsible, uh, made responsible by the pineal gland, which is in the brain. Like 20%, that's not a lot. One fifth of all your melatonin in your body is only made in the brain. So no matter how good your sleep hygiene is, how much you journal or meditate or don't look at bright lights at night, more or less, if your gut isn't functioning well, your melatonin levels and the majority of your melatonin levels could be highly impacted. So 80% of the melatonin is made in the gut. And what reduces melatonin in the gut most commonly is the damage to the intestinal lining. Uh, I feel like the word and the phrase leaky gut is becoming more and more, you know, normalized or something people throw around, but essentially leaky gut, that your small intestines being damaged on their cilia and melatonin is created in these, what we call crypts of the intestinal lining. And so when you have inflammation in the gut, which can happen from food sensitivities, from pathogens, from heavy metals, from poor digestion, as in not enough stomach acid, not enough liver enzymes, aka bile, and then your bacterials over, bacteria's overgrowing, all these different things, then now you're throwing probiotics and you're making things more chaotic. All these things make it worse and worse. And then the gut lining is just being worn away and damaged, just like a sunburn almost. And now you're not making enough melatonin. So even if you're being good with sleep hygiene and you're doing all the different things to make sure that you have good sleep hygiene, if your gut is not healthy, your sleep will be impacted and no amount of good health, health, good sleep hygiene can fix that. 
When our clients first start working with us, one of the first tests we run includes melatonin levels on the test. And most of the time, I see suppressed melatonin levels in the body. We don't just say, let's just slap a melatonin supplement on you for the rest of your life. But we actually say, well, let's check out your gut. And we check the gut and... Every time, every time there is gut pathogens, there's pathogens somewhere in the body. So the long-term solution for poor sleep is not taking melatonin supplements. It is not um, prescriptive medications. It, it The long-term solution to finding and to, to solving sleep problems is finding what is causing leaky gut and intestinal inflammation. And it's stopping slash removing whatever is causing that. And it's usually multifactorial. So there's multiple things. It's not just about your diet. And then you want to supply the body with the necessary things so that the body can heal its own gut. And then lastly, you do want to give the body time. A lot of times we find that someone says, you know, I... I removed this food from my diet or I tried this one thing for a certain amount of time and it didn't make me better. Well, did you give your body enough time is one thing. And the second thing is, did you remove every source of inflammation? And that honestly is the deal breaker with why our clients, one of the reasons why our clients get such good results is that we get every source of inflammation. We find, we're Sherlock Holmes, we we find every possible point that could be impacting the gut. So given the presence of no inflammatory processes and having the right building blocks to heal the gut, as well as time, the gut does heal and normal melatonin levels do return to their body. Along with better sleep, a greater feeling of restedness, improved appetite, because appetite's also regulated by our circadian rhythms, and improved energy levels during the day. Our clients see all this and more usually within their first month of working with us. The second factor of the gut that can impact your sleep is the liver. So the liver is one of the, our biggest organs, and it is multifunctional. Uh, it's two biggest things you can really categorize into the category of digestion, which is the creation of bile, liver enzymes, and that those go into the gallbladder if you have a gallbladder, and then detoxification which, I mean, that's everything. I mean, really, it's cleaning your blood in a lot of ways. So, I mean, it's just this huge filtration device where a bunch of chemistry is going on and you're getting rid of excess estrogen, you're getting rid of pathogens, and it's it's a huge part of our detoxification process in our body. All of the toxins that our colon absorbs and all the nutrients that our colon absorbs, there's like literally a highway of blood that goes straight from your colon to your liver because that's how important your liver is in treating the blood in your body. And so you want a really good functioning liver. It's this, I mean, it really just think of it as a big filter for your blood where it's getting rid of detoxific de toxins in the body and making sure your mineral balance is good and absorbing minerals from your that your colon grabbed. And so a lot of times we find um, in the same test that we run with that gets melatonin levels, we also get information that is helpful in seeing how well the liver is functioning in our clients. And this is not, we're not looking at disease or pathological levels of liver dysfunction, like a diagnosis we're giving them, but we're looking at suboptimal functioning of the liver that is resulting in excess estrogen or excess toxins in the body. What then does liver have to do anything with your sleep? Well, 
Here's a fun little test or question you can ask yourself and something we commonly see in our clients. If your liver isn't functioning optimally, and again, we're not talking about disease, though I'm sure if there is a disease, if it's something diagnosable, you might be experiencing this. Um, Even suboptimal liver function, though, will result in something called that we see as night sweats between 2 to 4 a.m., regularly. And even if it's not night sweats, it might be waking up from 2 to 4 a.m. regularly, usually for no particular reason. Maybe you got to pee a little bit, but usually it's not like hunger or, or racing thoughts or anything, though some of our clients do fine once they're awake. That might happen, but it's just waking up randomly consistently at 2 to 4 a.m., Uh, occasionally or frequently accompanied by sweating or being overly hot. And we call this liver hour. So what's going on is the liver has a bunch of functions. And if it can't get them all done during the daytime, it will turn on at night and just burn through. Like think of, think of, uh, I mean, your liver's huge. I don't like if you actually, um, if you wear a bra, if you're a lady and you wear a bra, if you actually poke where your bra's hanging out and then you poke find where the bottom of your rib cage is on the right side of your body your rib your your liver is from that bra down to your the bottom of your rib cage that's how big it is on your right side and then it actually goes across all the way to your left side um, kind of halfway across to the other rib and so i mean it's a huge chunk of your body and it's filtering blood and we know that blood's highly important and implicated in our overall body temperature. So it starts filtering blood like crazy and you basically just become super hot. A lot of my clients think that this is a sign of them being perimenopausal or getting early menopause. And that is not the case. It has nothing to do. I mean, usually their hormones are out of balance because their liver functioning is not optimal. So they have excess estrogen. They often have low progesterone. So they might end up having irregular periods and all these other symptoms that then say, oh, it looks like perimenopause. It looks like early menopause. And pretty much all of my clients, they stop with their quote unquote perimenopause or being early menopause as soon as we start working with them. And they also stop getting their night sweats that are consistently from 2 to 4 a.m. And they also start sleeping through the night. Even if they're not getting those night sweats, they stop waking up at that 2 to 4 a.m. period. This is how your liver is impacting or potentially impacting your sleep and something for you to ask yourself, are you experiencing? Usually within the first few weeks of working with me, my clients stop having their night sweats from 2 to 4 a.m. And they also stop waking up at night for no reason. The same test that, like I already said, we use an incredible test. It's called the Dutch Hormone Test. It's highly recommended by multiple functional and naturopathic doctors, and it includes an amazing amount of information, including the first two markers of why sleep can go wrong in the body. All right, the third reason why your gut can be impacting your sleep is cortisol. So here's what's up. You Real quick, you know, fly by in cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone that gets released by our adrenal glands. We actually need cortisol. And I remember the first time I started researching cortisol, I felt like all the blog posts were like, cortisol so bad, you shouldn't have it. I mean, actually, you having healthy levels of cortisol means your cortisol looks like a slide throughout the day. So in the morning, it's the highest. In the evening, it's the lowest. And that's actually normal. So a lot of times we find that our clients, when they come to us, 
they are in some form of what we call HPA axis dysfunction, which is the scientific name for adrenal fatigue. And there's different levels of that dysfunction. And so they're in one of those levels where they're either not making enough cortisol or they're not absorbing it or they're not activating it, all these different problems. Um, And that's because the body is exhausted from creating it. Well, what's going on with cortisol at night is that pathogens in the gut are frequently most active at night. You're not awake, your immune system's trying to give it a rest, and so you're sleeping, and that makes it an optimal time, just like, I don't know, just like cities or whatever. You Don't walk outside at night because things might happen that wouldn't happen during the daytime. Your body feels the same way. It's opportunistic, and so uh, we find that when somebody's not sleeping well at night, there's often cortisol being released. And cortisol, uh, the reason it gets released by pathogens or when a pathogen becomes active is the pathogens start excreting toxins and doing their normal evil little pathogen things. <laughs> and cortisol is an anti-inflammatory and a pain suppressor. So we use it any time that there's everything from, you know, a car hits us, that's extreme, but anytime there's like some type of injury to our body, but that includes on a biochemical level, invisible processes. And so the pathogens excrete toxins, our body goes into fight and flight, which is a stress response from being attacked. And you could have the best yoga, meditation, prayer, journaling routine to lower your stress and cortisol. And if you have a pathogen, you will still have high cortisol levels. These high cortisol levels wake you up. It spikes our blood sugar. We go into a small fight and flight. You can even wake up feeling panicked, which some of my clients will report, or just feeling like oddly uh, alert and what we call tired and wired, which is if you've never heard of that before and you feel like it resonates with you, you're not the only person experiencing it, but it can be because of cortisol levels being spiked by pathogens. Most often I see this most intensely with my clients who have candida, but I see it with parasites. That's what I had and that's what I experienced. I see it with H. pylori, bacterial overgrowth. Your, your options are great, but it is worse. I find with candida, particularly because my clients who have candida or that we discover have candida also re- typically and commonly report that their bloating is worst at night. So when our clients work with us, we run a test that also checks cortisol levels and adrenal gland health. We often see our clients with some level of that HPA axis dysfunction that I mentioned or the adrenal fatigue Uh, which is the non-scientific name for it. And by the end of their time working with us, their adrenal glands are working much better. They're not having to work nearly as hard. They're working better during the day. They're not working as hard or really working hard at all at night and they're getting to rest. And that's because we removed pathogens and other cortisol-inducing stressors, which can include other things like heavy metals, inflammatory foods, not digesting well. Um, It's not just, you know, when we say stressors, it's not just, you know, oh, are you journaling or are you meditating, which are really good things. But it's a lot of times I find that it can just feel like it's your fault if you know you're having good sleep hygiene or you're trying to meditate or journal or exercise or trying to do all these healthy things and you're not getting results. And I just want to say repeatedly in our podcast, it's not your fault. There's just other invisible things going on that haven't been discovered, haven't been addressed in depth and can really impact the quality of your sleep, your energy, your mood, etc. The fourth thing that can, that 
reason why your gut can be impacting your sleep is something called systemic inflammation. So systemic inflammation is this process where uh, your gut has bacteria in it, your gut has food in it, and it's coming through. And the and the way that your body takes that food and those nutrients and gets it into your body is through your blood. And so your intestines are absorbing things into your bloodstream. And then your bloodstream literally takes all of whatever it's absorbing, both the good and the bad, anything it's absorbing gets transferred to the entire body. And so what we find is our clients will report, and sometimes, again, they don't even realize they're experiencing this until we ask them, which is why I'm bringing it up on the podcast, to ask yourself, do you experience a painful or stiff spine in the morning? Do your hands, your fingers, your feet, your joints, any joint, all of your joints potentially, or maybe only some of them, feel stiff and achy in the morning? That is always caused by systemic inflammation. I mean, sometimes I'll have clients who will go and they'll get x-rays because they're really concerned that they have arthritis in all these different parts of their bodies. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And most of the time, even if they do have some arthritis, the doctor says, well, it's not even that intense. We don't know why you're experiencing that pain. Well, it's because of the blood being transferred to every part of the body, to the skin, to the joints, to the eyes, to the brain. And so you can have foggy headedness, you can have acne, and you can have joint pain, all because of what's going on on in the gut and that amazing transportation system, which is our cardiovascular system. Some of my clients do report that this painful and stiff spine does impact their sleep. It might wake them up at night because it's uncomfortable or just when they wake up in the morning, they don't feel rested. They feel like an 80-year-old lady. Um, And that's how I felt. I remember specifically telling my doctor, like, I have, I I mean, I'm an ex-gymnast and I went from being athletic and running and being flexible and continuing to stretch to just slowly over time, despite having the same exercise and stretching routine, having an increasingly stiff spine that felt like my spine was being glued together or like welded together. I mean, incredibly stiff and no doctor had an answer and I don't have that anymore. I mean, it's incredible. It felt like weird, magic, horribleness to have such a stiff spine and stiff joints despite being young, despite having um, eating healthy and and all that jazz. Because again, you having systemic inflammation isn't even the food you're putting into bo- your body. You could be putting celery and green smoothies and, and things that are categorized as healthy into your body, but because of pathogens, because of potentially, if you have low stomach acid, if you have low liver bile being excreted because your liver is not functioning well, or, your st- or you have H. pylori, which is impacting or decreasing your stomach acid levels, um, then you're not going to be digesting and breaking down your nutrients, and then your bacteria are overfeeding on the food that ends up dropping into the small and large intestines because they the food isn't being broken down enough by your liver and stomach enzymes and acids. And so it's a cyclical problem and can totally be cut off. So the other thing that we find with systemic inflammation is it causes low progesterone levels. Progesterone is a hormone that's super sensitive to inflammation in the body, and it's meant to be. It's a safety valve. And we actually talked about this more in episode 41, uh, which is titled, Do You Have Depression, Anxiety, or ADHD? Here's one reason to check your gut. But having low 
progesterone can also cause an anxiety, depression, uh, ADHD-ish like focus problems. Um, and so progesterone is a hormone that we want to have healthy in all women. And if you have low progesterone, not only will it impact your mood, it will also impact your period, like are you getting one, how heavy is it, how painful is it, and it will also impact your sleep. So progesterone helps women sleep deeply and well and feel t- feel calm, feel tired. And that's one reason when you're pregnant, you have exorbitant amounts of progesterone levels and you are sleepy all the time. And that's part of your body saying like, here, here, please sleep. Well, if you have systemic inflammation, not only do you have a painful and stiff, stiff spine and joints, but you are more likely to have low progesterone levels, which is going to decrease the quality, the depth, the and overall goodness of your sleep. So yes, your gut impacts your hormones too, which is why many of my clients who come to me with gut problems also have PMS, painful periods, irregular periods, moodiness, skin problems, and all the things that are associated with hormone problems. It's also why if I have a client come to me primarily with hormone concern but doesn't have any noted GI symptoms, we still check the gut because you can still have no GI symptoms and still have your gut be impacting your sleep, your mood, your hormones, and all that jazz. This is why, again, our clients get such good results because we check everything, not just where the symptoms are. Symptoms are like like if you're standing at a river and you're noticing that the river has you're testing the river's water and you're like, oh, wow, there's toxins in the water. It's dirty. The fish are dying. All these really bad things. Well, there's a possibility that the problem is that stuff's being dumped into the river right where you're standing. But there's also a decent likelihood that maybe a mile up or two miles up or five miles up or 10 miles up the river that there's a negative process going on in that part of the river. And so what we call that is upstream problems. We look for upstream problems. We don't just say, oh, you're, we're standing at the river and at point Z, we're noticing low melatonin levels and we're going to just give you a melatonin supplement. No, we're saying, oh my gosh, your melatonin's low. Well, we know that that can connect to something happening a mile or two miles or 10 miles up the river with the gut and with the blood and with the liver. And we check all of those and then we address all those and very quickly our clients start to feel better. So the next thing that really impacts your sleep that isn't, you might not think is quite in the gut, but there's a very strong connection to the gut is your thyroid. So thyroid helps your body rejuvenate and have energy during the day. And thyroid quickly becomes dysfunctional with high amounts of inflammation in the body. And it's particularly, thyroid itself is particularly sensitive to certain food sensitivities, particularly wheat and gluten. So this portion of the podcast, this podcast episode I'm going to talk a little bit about wheat and gluten because it's something I hear clients talk about a lot. Like I went off of wheat and gluten and then I didn't notice a difference. So now I eat it again or I eat it every now and again and I just don't feel it's worth me staying off. So here's the complications with wheat and gluten. Let's go back to why is wheat and gluten connected to thyroid? Here's why. Wheat and gluten have something called molecular mimicry to the thyroid gland. And so it actually looks similar. It has a similar molecular structure to the thyroid. So when you eat wheat and gluten, if you're sensitive or have developed a sensitivity to it, then your body's antibodies will see this wheat and gluten coming down your esophagus and into your intestine and be like, what's thyroid gland doing here? And they'll attack it because that is a 
healthy response to basically cancerous activity, which it's not cancer, it's wheat and it's gluten, but your body thinks it's more or less cancerous activity. Well, not only will it attack the gluten and wheat in your in your intestines, which will then, of course, damage your intestines, which is not good, leads to leaky gut, your body will also then go straight to your thyroid and be like, well, you're probably also being bad and it will, your antibodies will attack your thyroid. Now you end up with leaky gut, which predisposes you to a whole host of problems, and you're having hypothyroid symptoms. Sometimes you get hyperthyroid, but hypo is much, 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 much more common, um, significantly so in the population. So I get clients who come to me who've either been diagnosed with hypothyroidism or are being given um, thyroid supplementing medication, and we're not just totally against that, but we realize a lot of times when we go through healing protocols, we see the thyroid markers improving. And so your thyroid affects your sleep, you know, how, and it also affects your alertness throughout the day. Okay. So wheat and gluten, which are kind of like a square and a rectangle, one includes the other, but I'm saying both of them. Um, wheat and gluten, not great for the thyroid, not great for the gut because of the leaky gut. It can predispose to you too if you're sensitive. But I also wanted to take a moment and talk about if you have gone off gluten and felt like you noticed no difference, why that might be. Because there's actually multiple reasons and it might not have anything to do with how well you went off the gluten. So one is actually the leaky gut, which I've already mentioned. So without an intentional plan to heal the damage to the gut lining, leaky gut, even if you remove wheat and gluten, may continue to be present, which will will yield ongoing symptoms. So if you have leaky gut, you're also predisposed to pathogens because your immune system typically isn't functioning as well with leaky gut. So your gut's natural defenses are weakened while the intestinal lining is damaged. So there's a higher likelihood if you've had a wheat or gluten sensitivity, you suddenly go off it and maybe you're off it for three months, which is a recommended minimal period amount of time. If you go off it less amount of time, um, it probably wasn't a good, even a good amount of time to even know how much gluten was impacting you. Um, but so you go off it for three months, which is again, a minimal amount of time to get an idea of how much wheat and gluten is impacting you. You still might not be giving your body the necessary ingredients to heal leaky gut. You also might have a pathogen, which means if you go off of wheat and gluten, which I totally did. Um, and I also went like low FODMAP and all this stuff. I didn't even not, I mean, no one was supporting me. Um, initially none of my doctors thought to look for this. No one was willing to talk to me about it. I don't even think my doctors really like thought about it. So not that they were holding back on me, but, um, they just didn't look for the, any pathogens. So I later found out I had pathogens and clearing up the pathogens and the gluten at the same time was, was the difference. It's kind of like, um, when you have a, a key, you know, the key isn't just like the more complicated keys, they have all these different grooves, right? And so that means that you, they, you can't just open a door just by changing. There's, I, I don't remember all these like locking keys, like there's a barrel and you can't just open one of them. There's usually maybe three, four, six, like the more different locks and barrels you have, um, the more complicated it is to open up that door. And sometimes you need it. Well, I mean, to open up a door that's locked, you need every single one open. So you need to get rid of the gluten and the wheat and the pathogens and maybe the heavy metals and give your body the nutrients so that it can rebuild the gut lining and make sure that you have good stomach acid levels and digestive and 
enzymes to break down the food so that you're not getting irritated by whole food dropping into the small intestine and large intestine. Like that's a multifactorial situation that's not just your diet or not just removing wheat and gluten. So just removing one food may not be enough to see improvement in your energy, your sleep, your mood, or other symptoms that are being impacted by gluten. And you really want to think of gluten as a bomb. If you bomb a city once, let alone multiple times, which might be going on if you're sensitive to wheat and gluten, great. You're not bombing the city anymore. That's good for the city. But for the city to truly be restored, you actually need to rebuild it. And that takes time and intentionality, aka a good plan. And that's what we do for our clients. We actually create a plan that heals their gut. So once we're done with that plan, then their body's able to maintain that that, you know, the city's rebuilt and all the citizens of the city can maintain it. But when a city is initially just demolished by the pathogens or the food sensitivities, et cetera, you need an outside supporting force to help rebuild that city. I've had many clients go gluten-free prior to working with me and feel that they had no difference in their health. And it is linked to how long they did or didn't go gluten-free because ideally um, to get true healing, you want 12 months. And that has to do with um, your antibodies in your body uh, being responsive. They'll be, if you have one exposure to gluten and wheat, you can have antibodies that are on alert for 12 months after that one one exposure. And so you they either didn't go off long enough, so maybe only a few weeks um, or even three months still is enough. They might have cheated while they were being gluten and wheat-free because they didn't feel any GI symptoms when they ate. And you can totally be gluten and wheat sensitive and have no GI problems, like no GI symptoms. But the most common the most common symptoms of a wheat and gluten sensitivity is neurological problems. That is mood, like neurological, like brain, foggy headedness, anxiety, OCD, like all these things are super linked to gluten and wheat sensitivities uh, along with the thyroid. And so we're getting a little bit off of the sleep topic, but just to really show, um, there is so much healing. Like I have so much sympathy. I have clients again who say, I've already tried this and it didn't work. And, 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 and it's not to say that they weren't trying hard or they weren't sincere about wanting to get better. They just, it wasn't the right composition of all the different factors to turn that key and make a difference. So there's another possibility that they're eating other grains that their body was sensitive to. So we find that if they're sensitive to wheat and gluten, there's a higher likelihood they're sensitive to other grains like corn and rice and barley and all these, all that jazz. So, um, quinoa actually is coming up more commonly for our clients. So it like gluten, they might've been successfully avoiding, but then they're still eating other inflammatory foods. Um, and it's just basically at the end of it all, they weren't addressing all the factors that were impacting their symptoms. So we do testing to know what actually needs to be done and not guess, not waste time, not ask someone to do something for no reason or just to be annoying, but actually get incredible results. And the last factor that really impacts sleep or the reason why the gut can so impact sleep is nutrient deficiencies. If you have leaky gut, you have poor nutrient absorption. End of story. Like you you're not you're not digesting well. And a lot of times my clients also have low stomach acid, they have low bile. Um they don't even know those things, but they but bloating it can be a 
one of the most common symptoms of having either either or low stomach acid and low bile production. Um, they're not absorbing nutrients um, via their leaky gut. You can end up being well-fed but poorly nourished. So you're buying organic foods, you're, you're eating lots of greens and vegetables, you're not eating inflammatory foods, and you're still poorly nourished. Literally, your levels of your vitamins and your minerals are low in your body. Um, and then you're just depleted of your nutrients that you need, the fuel to run on. And also, we need vitamins and minerals, specific ones, to go through detoxification processes, especially in the liver. B vitamins are super important. Um, glutathione, all these different um, processes that our body should be able to support just by eating normal good food. But a lot of times, um, the body's been so depleted, we need to go in and and temporarily support it with supplements or a very intentional plan. And that's why so quickly we just put the right key in and it hits all the right points. And then our clients start sleeping through the night and having energy in the morning and having energy throughout the day. It's like a night and day difference, but um, that's a pun. <laughs> when you find the root cause of dysfunction in the body, all of these things clear up and sleep is restored. If you are tired of waking up without feeling rested, if you dream of sleeping through the night, if you are tired of not having energy throughout the day, you don't have to wonder anymore about what you can do next. You can apply for a 30-minute complimentary consultation with me. I would love to help you find the root cause of your symptoms so that you can achieve your health goals and your life goals that you are dreaming of. And as a reminder, we are accepting applications only for the 30-minute consultation. If we review your application and we can help you, then your application will be accepted and you will be scheduled your and you'll be able to schedule your consultation call. And I really want to encourage you, you to just think like, what would it feel like to partner with someone who can give you the answers to your body and get you the results you're looking for? What would it feel like to no longer just be searching and searching and searching through blogs and podcasts to try and find this one magical solution? What would it feel like for somebody else to look into your body and be able to ask those questions you don't even know how to ask? If you are ready to stop feeling like nothing works and like you are stuck in your health, then click the link in the show notes and apply for your complimentary consultation today. I so look forward to talking with you. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast episode today. I am loving talking with you all about your body and how there is hope for renewal. There's hope for change. It's super doable and super possible, and we are here for you. If you loved this episode and you thought of a friend while you were listening to it, I just really encourage you, take a screenshot, super easy, and send it to that friend. There's so many people out there who are waiting for answers, and I know know that we tend to just know one of those people. So if you thought of a friend, take a screenshot and send a love note to their gut and let them know you're thinking of them and there are answers out there. Other ways that you can support us on the podcast is by leaving a rating and review. It is so helpful to our other listeners to just be able to share what's moving them and for other people to find this podcast as well. 
Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love talking with our listeners there and just seeing what you're enjoying from our podcast episodes and how we can serve you more. And as a reminder, our motto, miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. <laughs>